0: Four, Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at just one verse today. So you're like, man, good thing it's a fish fry Sunday. I came on the right Sunday. He's only covering one verse. All right? So what I want us to do is continue on in what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. All right? We've been talking about the oneness that God has for us as the body of Christ. But in particular, in these first three verses, as he goes into Ephesians, what we call Ephesians chapter 4, or this portion of the letter to the church in Ephesus, he is talking about one calling that is placed on our life. All right, so remember, there's a call to salvation for every single solitary person. And then not only is there a call to salvation, but there is a call on every single follower of Christ to be a servant. There's not an option in this. So everybody does, a, you know, everybody's got a job to do within the body of Christ. And you, <laughs> we have a mentality that we pay people to do stuff. We pay people to serve. So the pastor is the servant. We pay the pastor. We have staff people on church. We pay them to do that. They do these jobs, and then we don't have to do anything. That's totally antithesis to what God has called us to do as the body of Christ. We're all part of the body. We're interconnected, which is what we've been looking at for the last few weeks and we'll talk about today, is that interconnectedness. But that interconnectedness means also that every single one of us are responsible For a certain thing in which God has called us to do. In other words, we all have a journey that we're on. We all have a walk. Remember he said, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So you have a journey. You have a cross to bear. You have a walk that God has called you to. It's not the same as me. All right? We may have some of the same giftedness and talents. We may have some of the same uh, personality aspects. Lord, I'd pray for you if you have some of the same personality aspects as me. But we do have commonness, and we do have measures of the giftedness to which God has gifted, because we talked about that last week. But that doesn't negate if someone has a greater giftedness or whatever to us or for us. It doesn't matter. It still means that we have a responsibility for that which God has given us. So you never stop being a parent, right? Right? If you have children, you're always going to be the parent. No matter how old they are, they're still your what? They're still your children. So there's a responsibility there to us and for us, for all of us. And so that's the same way that we are in the body of Christ. We are all children of God. God is our Father, and so there's responsibility that's been given to us, and we must follow through with that. So today in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, we'll get into this interconnected part of this. It says, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There's really a couple of things I want to touch on here, and I want to give you an illustration to kind of put it together so that you can follow me this morning. So, bottle of water, right? What is water made up of? Hydrogen and oxygen, right? They're two common elements that are in the world, two very, very common elements. But when they're placed together in a certain proportion, in a certain amount, they what? They form this. What is this? This is truly water that is the foundation of life for us. We, we are made up, I think over 90% of our body is made up of water. Do you realize that when you lose 1% of the amount of water that is in your body, you become thirsty? At like 5 to 7%, you're dehydrated? You don't have enough water in your body. So you not only are made up of this, you must keep a constant proportion of it to maintain your health. It is vital to our very existence. You cannot do without it. You cannot deal without it. You can go, what, days and days and days without food, right? But you can't go but short amount of time without water. You must keep this in you. This is the same way. When we look at this spiritually, when we look at this as a verse today, I want you to keep this in mind. Because we're going to talk about two things, but we're going to talk about two things that when they're combined together make something totally different. Think of all the forms in which this comes to us. So 70% of the earth is covered by water. But do you realize that, like, less than, I think, a couple of percent is fresh water that is actually usable? So, it's all around us in all kinds of different forms. It's in oceans, which has salt in it. It's up in the caps, which is, what, iced, and you can't use it. And then you've got just this small amount that is actually put together that we all are trying to consume. But think about that. Just that small percentage of water takes care of every single bit of us. Billions of people living off of that. So when we take these two things that we're going to talk about here and we combine them together, it's synergy and it's going to make something. Now, it is massive what it can do. But the reality for us is that we tap into only a small portion of it. So, there's a lot here this morning. Let me get busy, all right? The first thing I want you to see is this. The first thing it's talking about is an act of preservation. We are configured together. Be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit. That's a big S, isn't it? I'm not talking about my spirit, because when I'm talking about my spirit, then my personality, my opinions, my wants get involved in that. I'm talking about preserve the unity of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. What are the common, what are some of the common things that the Spirit of God gives to us? They're called fruits, right? Does anybody remember? Love. And love. What? Joy. Peace. peace patience. Kindness. That's right. We talked about long suffering. Or in the fruit of the Spirit, it would be called self control because we're learning to control ourselves. And when we do that, these things happen. It's endurance, perseverance, long suffering. So these are fruits of the Spirit of God. We do not have these naturally, these are not in us. It's not innate as us as natural human beings to be patient, it's not innate. And within us and natural human beings to control ourselves. It's not innate within us to love one another. Yet this admonition is given to us throughout Scripture over and over and over and over. So look, our job is to preserve an act of preservation to preserve the unity of the Spirit. That's how God has put this together. Are you constantly working in the body of Christ to preserve the unity of the Spirit? Are we actively working to preserve the unity of the Spirit? Because I'm going to tell you, in Baptist life, most people want what they want. And that is what it is. We want what we want. And so we want what we want above and beyond the unity of the spirit within the congregation. How the preacher should preach. How the, well, you know, how he should treat me. How th- things should happen within the body of Christ. What goes on in an order of service or any of that kind of stuff. We want. Why? Look, it's not a bad thing. We we're just creatures of habit. And so when we're in that habit all the time, we want what we want. But that doesn't always preserve the unity of the Spirit. If the Spirit of God is moving, how many of you, have we've talked about this a lot in the last few weeks, have you ever read Experiencing God before, Henry Blackaby's book, Experiencing God? Have you ever gone through the 13-week study? One of the main things that's within this book and one of the main things that's within the study is that Henry Blackaby says where God is at work, we ought to be able to look and to see because we are children of God and we ought to see where the Spirit of God is moving and then we go and we join Him in that. But what we want to do is we want to say God's moving, but He needs to move like this. And we want to control it. And we want to navigate it to the direction in which we want it to go. We want to use it for whatever benefit we think that we can get out of it. And people do this all the time, all the time. God moves, and then we are to respond. So our job is to just get involved with it. Because it's not us, it's the Spirit of God. So when God is moving in our midst, then we need to be a part of that which is going on. We don't need to try to manipulate it to our advantage because that breaks it. That causes discord. When that causes discord, look, it's for everybody. I'm not trying to preach to you this morning as as someone who's trying to direct this church in a a certain direction, and I want you all to follow me. I'm not what I am trying to say is is that everybody does this preachers do this all the time preachers manipulate congregations they have an agenda of what they want to do they got a goal or an objective that they're trying to do and you've been there and seen that you've stood you've been in a service before where the guy has gone on for 15 minutes in an invitation because he needs one more person to come down so that he can say that he had one more person come down. We're just looking for something so that it puts feathers in our caps. And I'm calling that out on all aspects. So I'm calling it out from the podium, and I'm calling it out from the congregation. So we've all got to be united. A pastor or a preacher or a leader of a church, a denomination, or an organization can't even stand up here and say that we've got to go do this. We need to see where God's at work, and then we need to go be a part of that. That preserves the unity of the Spirit. Let's keep on. 2 Peter 3.14 says this, Therefore, beloved, since you look at these things, be diligent, found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. So, as we're preserving this unity of the Spirit here, how are we to do that? We're to do that in the bond of peace. We shouldn't be drawing attention to ourselves. We should do it in a peaceful manner that is spotless and blameless. God tells us through the Word that we're to have a good relationship with Him and a good relationship with each other. That we're to have a good uh, rapport with Him and a good rapport with other people. How are you respected? How are you looked at by other people? These are important things. Not so that we can be pious, but so that we can, when we speak, it means something. People need to know your heart. Because your words will have no meaning if your heart does not back them up. Romans 14, 19 says this, So then we pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. This is very important. So when you're preserving the peace... The whole point is to what? Build up, not tear down. So people sometimes can say, you know, I need to get this off my chest. And I need to say these things. But are they building up? Or if we need to say them, I understand that we need to say them, but how can we say them in a manner which is um, edifying? That's what we need to be thinking about. We need to be thinking about how we can say what we need to say, but say it in a manner, because we're going to get to this later on in this chapter. It says, speak truth. Speak truth. But it says, speak truth how? In love. In love. So there's a manner in which this is done. That's why it says here, an act of preservation, a configuration. There's a way that this is done. We need to not only do the right thing, but we need to do it the right way. Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 5. What is this? This is the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so listen to what it says. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? You hypocrite. Take, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So the examination begins with us. We must examine ourselves. So we must think before we speak. We must think before we do. How will other people respond to this? I want to ask you just a simple question here. I want you to really be honest with with me. Okay? Do you feel like we over-communicate or under-communicate here at this church? When we get ready to do something, when we get ready to move, that's all right. Be honest with me. Tell me what you think. I can take it. Everybody else here can take it too. We need to know this. Do you feel like that we over-communicate or under-communicate when we're bringing out? huh? Under-communicate, all right? So that's good for the deacon body and for the leadership and the the ministry leaders as well, right? If we're under-communicating, then we're doing things. And we're not letting everybody know what's going on, right? right? And if everybody's not on the same page with what we're doing, what does that cause? Confusion. confusion. It causes what else? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it irritates people, it, you know. We have to do what we do, but we have to do it in a way that which we communicate it and, and go about it, right? It's very important. Why? Because when we communicate things, then everybody feels like they're on the same page, don't they? And everybody knows what's going on. Now, look, I am going to say this. Don't say you don't know if we talk about it and you don't show up to it. That's different. That's totally different. But if we have communicated, if we've communicated from the pulpit, if we've communicated on Wednesday night, if we've communicated through Newsletter or things that go out throughout the week through the prayer request list and everything telling you what's going on and what we're about to do, then you've been communicated to. All right? So everybody needs to understand that. So, but that's a very important thing, is it not? So, communication is a huge key in keeping the unity of the Spirit. We need to think about that before we act and go and do so here's that was the first part preservation that the second part is an act of unification his integration what happens is is when the spirit of god and the bond of peace comes in it starts to mix together when you take the hydrogen which is out there and you mix it with the oxygen in the right proportion if we're communicating the word of god if we're communicating where we're going and what we're doing and they put that in the right pr- pr- proportion, it brings what? The very essence of life that we need. Without it, it doesn't. What happens if you get the wrong mixture of hydrogen and something? What happens to hydrogen? It's, it blows up. It's called the Hindenburg. Have you ever seen it? If you don't get in the right proportion and the right mix of stuff, it blows up. That happens a lot, Right? So we need to make sure that we have the right measure, the right things going on. So when we do this and when we see this, it brings about unification. God is integrated or the spirit of God is integrated. It says, I've got it capitalized on your outline, his integration. He is involved in the activity that is going on and we're not just doing stuff. Churches do stuff all the time. I'm going to tell you this. Part of the biggest problem is that the church does a lot of stuff that brings no meaning or no worth or value to the kingdom of God. And those are hard things because sometimes we've done that in the church for how many years? Tons of years, right? Tons and tons of years. But if it's not being effective for the kingdom of God, if we go back to what... uh, Blackaby says the spirit of God is moving over here and he's not moving over here anymore and something that we've done forever and ever. Why do we keep doing it? How, okay, I'm going to give you a question. I don't know. I mean, We've never done it since I've been here. But what was it like when you stopped having Sunday night services? Had it gotten down to a low, low deal or, or was, I mean, can somebody tell me? Just communicate with me. Y'all can talk to me. This is all good. I'm going to get you to lunch on time. I promise. All right. So tell me, what was it like when Sunday night services stopped? Was it a big deal? Or did it just kind of like go away? Anybody remember? Were y'all even here when they stopped doing that? (laughs) Anybody at all? They've not been doing Sunday nights since you've been here? That's a big deal, though, in a lot of churches, is it not? Lack of interest? interest? Okay. Why do you think they had Sunday night services? Does anybody know? Does anybody know why we met at 11 o'clock? Can anybody tell me why we started doing what we started doing? Yeah. You know what? In church life, we were rural communities. So what did you do on the farm when you got up in the morning? You worked the farm, didn't you? So worship was at 11 o'clock so that you could go work the farm and then come to church. That's why we have an 11 o'clock service. But I've heard a preacher who's very, very dear to me saying that I've heard him say from the pulpit over and over during my life, that that was a holy hour, and I'm like, no, it's not. The holy hours where God is at any time. God is working 24/7, 365, all the time. It's not 11 o'clock in the same place all the time. Are you getting it? Let's go Jimmy Buffett here. It's five o'clock somewhere. You know what I mean? Somewhere. It's 11 o'clock somewhere. It's a holy. I mean, so it's constant. You see what I'm saying? We have this tunnel vision of this. This was a farming thing. Why did we come back at night? Because after church, you went back out and did what? Back out to work in the fields, and then you would come back on Sunday night. That's where all that came from, but it became tradition, and it became a habit, and it became the only way. We have Sunday school here in this place. Maybe God wants to work in somebody's house throughout the week. Is that okay? You see what I mean? We've got to break down the things that we think of how it should operate and how it should go, and how it should look, and how it should move to be open to what, how God is moving. Uh, I think I've told you guys this. I, I'm going to bring it up in illustration again. Within the last five years as I've served on the New Work Foundation, over at the Chattahoochee Association, a young man came along and he started working with college students up in Dahlonega, all right? So he went on campus there and he decided that he wasn't gonna have a worship service, that he was just gonna do it and start it with small groups. And we supported him, we gave him money. But I can tell you, to a person in that foundation and in that circle, we were all going, this is gonna fail. I've been through church plants. I've gone through basic training. I know how church plants should work. This wasn't working, the the formula like he said. So they began small groups meeting in the dorms and stuff like this. They found leaders, and they started not focusing on a worship service, but focusing on developing leaders to disciple other people. And then they eventually worked into a worship service. Then they eventually started collecting an offering. Do you follow me? There's no money coming in. How is this operating? It's operating because we're supporting it. We're keeping these people up. The guy that was doing it was working a job. Other people got involved. We're now five years down the road. That's not only on the Dahlonega campus, but they've started a, a move of it in the Milledgeville campus down at Georgia College of State University or whatever they, you know, name. It's also at State College, Kennesaw State College. So now he's got three campuses, and that worship service has grown to more than 100 people, he had an event at the beginning of school this year. They said we gave him money, gave him $1,500 to feed everybody. He fed over 600 and something students. Do you, are you, you, you catching what I'm, I'm saying here? He felt like God was going to go over here and do this. It was totally out of the box. Even the people that were giving him money at the time to support him were like, this is not going to work. It has worked. And it has multiplied itself out. So just because it doesn't look like we think it should look doesn't mean it does not do what it needs to do. All the water is not drinkable, but it is still water, is it not? And we need to figure out how to make it useful and how to, how to work it. So this is what we need to do. We need to see it for what it is. It, as if we follow the preservation of the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, the second thing is not only do we preserve each other, but we unify. God becomes involved in what's going on if he hadn't already initiated it. Then Ephesians 2, 19, 21, and 22. We were studying this in Sunday school this morning, right? So these are some of the same verses that you were reading in Sunday school. You're getting a double dose today. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, and you are God's household in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into the holy temple of the Lord, in whom you are also being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Everybody wants to see a move of God. Our problem is we want to create it. God is moving. God's moving in our congregation. I'm going to give you one. So, bad thing has happened to the Hall family, right? Did y'all see how much Vic talked on Wednesday night? I was like, who is this guy? I've never heard Vic Hall talk for ten straight minutes in my entire life. What has happened? God, they have seen God's involvement in what was going on with Pam. And I saw him give that same testimony at the men's men's lunch, did he not? So I could have said, Brother Vic, please come share with me what you need to tell the congregation and I will tell the congregation. That would have really lit y'all's fire, wouldn't it? Preachers do that though, right? Because they want to be the voice that everybody hears. It's much more effective when it comes from you than from me. So, what did I do on Wednesday night? As much as humanly possible, I shut up. Tried my best. Yeah, yeah, man. And everybody else went, This was a great Wednesday night. I'm coming back next week. Do you get what I'm talking about here? So God moving in Vic's life right there, God moving in Pam's life. I spent the afternoon with them as well, and seeing that. And it's in a bad situation, in a bad circumstance. Something that you would not even think that was going to happen in a positive manner has turned into a testimony. And Vic, who doesn't talk a lot in public, is testifying. Who's he testifying to? He's testifying to you. But who's he also testifying to? He's testifying to the people that he works with the, when he goes and drives a truck. He's talking to anybody who will listen. That's what God does. That is a move of the Spirit. We need to get behind that. We need to encourage that. That's a, that's a part of the building up of the body of Christ. That's what this is speaking about here. So what happens we get a spiritual implication. An un, these two things are an unstoppable combination. When you put them together, you get what you need. You get the very essence and the foundation. If you will preserve the unity and the bond of peace, looking for the Spirit of God, how it's moving, what we get out of this is the very thing we need for life. You can walk into a room in a church, can't you not? and tell if there's a move of the Spirit that's going on. Have you ever been in a church that's dead as a doornail? Yeah, those are fun, aren't they? Why? Because the people have pushed God out. It's not about worshiping God. It's about holding on to what we want. We, we can't do that. We cannot sacrifice the Word. We do that a lot, too. And, and for it to be entertainment and enjoyable, we take God out of it. Because we, we know what, what needs to be done. If you do this and do this and do this, then we can make... You can get a response from people. I'm not talking about a crowd. You can have a room of thousands of people. And God not be there. How many does it take where what are gathered? Two or more are gathered in his name. He's in our midst. He's here. He's waiting to be involved. He's waiting to move. Philippians 4, 7 says this, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, But, Brother Tim, we've never done this like this before. It's okay. I never changed a diaper before until it happened. And then I was on the spot, man. You all there? That's right. you got to respond, don't you? I mean, that thing's got to go. That's right. So you didn't dilly or dally with that, did you? You didn't sit there and go, I need to wait for someone to show up to change this diaper. You got on the move. Why? Because what? It was a mess. It was a mess. So, guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so, so far as it depends on you, be what? At peace with all men. Look, guys, I'm telling you, if we put these things into practice in our lives and we look where God is moving and we respond to the Spirit united together communicating with each other in the bond of peace it won't be what's going to happen it's going to be get out of the way get out of the way and I'm going to be honest with you I've seen this happen I've experienced it in ministry ministry And I've seen us put our hands all over it and mess it up. I've also been a part of places where they wouldn't allow the Holy Spirit to move. So if we truly want to see revival, then we need to be revived. If we want to see God move, then we need to be looking for God's movement. If we want to feel the Holy Spirit in our lives, we need to wake up to the fact that the Holy Spirit is in us, that He's the very essence and makeup of who we are. We don't need to be scared half to death of Him. We need to be overflowing in Him. And if we get that, we see that, and we respond to that, we'll see a move. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power that's in just, I don't know, what is that, 15 words right there, maybe? A dozen words? Father, I just thank you so much that you can say so much in such a little amount of space and a little amount of time to teach us (coughs) the vastness of the understanding of what you would have us to do. The Father also speaks so much to the power of God to your awesome power. This whole passage right here is not about us at all other than we're just trying to preserve peace and protect the unity. Father, move in our midst. Begin that move with us. Begin that move with each of us as an individual. Letting go of the things that we think How something should be done and what it should look like, where it should go. Instead, turning our hearts to what you want it to look like, where you want it to go. Help us to respond to the love that you've shown us. These things we ask now in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand together and we're going to.